and the only protection she had was a stick. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes, and instead get up close and personal with the lesser-known legacies and real-life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people. And we're back. Are we back? We're not did, really back. Yeah, did we ever leave? Yeah, we haven't been here for a while. I mean, we we left the podcast-verse for like seven days. Yes. But we've been in our listeners' thoughts and in their heart every single second of every day, no doubt. Never going to give them up, never going to let them down. <laughs> no. They've been waiting with bated breath. For, for part the, two. Yeah, for the continuation of... The Paul Revere saga. Right. Well, he's done. Goodbye. Yeah. We're done with you, Paul Revere. Snooze. Yes, but our other quick bite episode episode this week during our uh, summer... It's not Summer Snooze Fest. What, what, is, what is it called? So close. This is another bit in our summer series. Last two weeks, we had meet and greets. Mm-hmm. This week, we have an unsung hero. Ah, the unsung hero. Yes. The rightful heir to the Paul Revere legacy. The person who actually had the badass American Revolutionary midnight ride to warn of incoming invasion. But with a last name that rhymed with nothing. Yes. Did not rhyme with anything. Uh, so this week's unsung hero is Sybil Luddington. And for people who are confused about the rhyming part, now would be a very good time, if you have not already, <laughs> to go back and listen to last week's summer series 15-minute episode to get caught up on the reason that Paul Revere lives in the canonical zeitgeist of heroes. In America. Yeah, it turns out he did not earn any of his hype whatsoever. Just had a cool last name. Just had, just had a convenient last name really, more than anything. Yeah. Yes. But Sybil Luddington, the real deal. Uh, let's flash to April 1777. Oh, okay. So two years after Paul's ride. Yeah. 1775, Paul Revere rides. Mm-hmm. That is the kickoff of the first battle of the American Revolution, the shot heard around the world, as they say, when the guns start firing. Oh. And uh, the American Revolution starts in earnest. Two years into it, there is Colonel Henry Ludington of the American Army, and he found himself kind of stuck. It was springtime, April. They had a volunteer army. He is in Connecticut. He's leading Connecticut men. They're all farmers. The winter has passed. The spring has come. He's got his volunteer army there. And all of them are realizing that if they're going to keep being farmers, because they're not getting paid a a ton, they have to go and plant some crops. Sure. In the middle of this war. I mean, yeah. They'd love to stay on the front lines fighting, but if you don't plant your crops in April, then you're kind of fucked when, like, September, October comes around. At the latest. Right? Like, this is is the closing of the window, and they can't just, like, shut down the family business and let the family starve. So as, as faithful as they are, as soldiers of the American Revolution... They decide they really need to head back to the home farm. So they take the whole army and they take this brigade and they go back and basically tell everybody, go, okay, go home, plant your crops, right? A Do real it. quick timeout, pause. Can we just reconvene at a, at a later date? Let's loop back around. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, go go say hey to your ladies and your kids. And uh, once you got your seeds in the ground, 
Let me back up. Yikes. This seems like a pretty good plan. If I mean, like, in order to preserve the family businesses. But as you can imagine, if there are still loyalists among the community, mm-hmm. people who consider them British royal supporters, sure, <laughs> having all of these these uh, rebel war heroes like return home in the middle of this does not sit super well with their neighbors who don't support the American Revolution. So, as soon as he get back back home, Colonel Henry Ludington's uh, neighbors that are loyalists start planning to basically capture him. They're going to oh. like surround his home and, you know, surround him with guns and threaten to kill him or make him come and get captured. Wow. Middle of the night, they start to creep up. They're not exactly perfectly silent. They are making some noise, but it is pretty clear what's happening to the family inside. Mm. This is when Colonel Henry Ludington's oldest daughter springs into action. There we go. So Sybil is 16 years old. That's what it takes. An eldest daughter every time. Yes. And you need like, to solve a family problem? Eldest daughter. Bam. Right I away. I bet she's the first one to go to therapy after this, too. <laughs> she's going to stop that generational trauma. Yes, she's going to she, relearn patterns. She's just on her shit. Yeah. So she does this. She, at 16, is like, I'm the captain now. Yes. I got a plan. So she says to all of her siblings. So at this point, I forget how many. She would ultimately have like 15 siblings. I think there's it's maybe like 10 of them around. Too many siblings. Yes. Uh. She's like, okay, go get candles. Go get candles. And she has all of the kids set up candles like on the family dinner tables and the end tables in the living room and the dining room. Okay. There's like 50 people outside surrounding this farmhouse. And she makes all of her little brothers start marching in front of the windows Whoa. with the blinds drawn. So it looks like large people inside. And her dad starts shouting yes. military, military orders. They literally pull a this fucking is, Home Alone. I was going to say, this is what Kevin McAllister yes. does in Home Alone. He might as well, they, she might as well like tie some strings to an inflatable clown and well, start bebopping them. You don't need it if you have like 10 little little brothers to sure, do that. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. But yeah, so, so literally they are way outnumbered. It's just the general, his wife, and the kids. But mm. thanks to her quick thinking, she pulls it together and the loyalists are like, oh, oh, shit, the the soldiers are here, and they flee. Whoa. And they make it through the night. Whoa. Yes. Unfortunately, this was not an isolated incident. The next morning, they find out that they were trying to capture him at the same time that the British Army, who it turns out were not farmers and were not following the harvest schedule, (laughs) were starting to burn a nearby town to the ground. You've got King George's money at that point. Yes. like the, the, The schedule that was convenient for... The American revolutionaries was actually not one that the royals were following, and so they kept attacking. So they were like, okay, well, I'm glad we didn't get captured, and the colonel is safe, um, but he's like, I need to gather my men real fast, and we probably can't pull this candle trick twice in a row. They're going to get you on. (laughs) So the messenger who just gave him this message, who'd ridden in, kind of like the Paul Revere person so far, uh, his horse is just like collapse in exhaustion. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, cannot go any further. Don't love and it. He's like, and they're like, give him a new horse. And he's like, but I, I don't know the territory. I don't know where your men live. I don't know how to get to their houses if you try to describe it to me. Like, there's no GPS. There's no maps of this place, right? Somebody has to know both the men, where they live, and how to get there in this in this terrain in Connecticut. And the colonel's like, I need to stay here and like make the preparations for the battle. And he's like, who am I going to send? Sure enough, Sybil's like, I can do it. They're like, are you sure? She's like, yes, I know the people. I know the territory. I'm going to do it. So 16-year-old Sybil 
is the volunteer. And 9 p.m. on the evening of the 26th, once they're sure that this has to happen, under cover of darkness, Sybil takes to the road. She was traveling down narrow dirt roads in the backwoods. This is not like out of Boston. This is like rural territory. In the rain. And the only protection she had was a stick. He didn't even give her a gun? Didn't get a gun. Didn't know how to shoot a gun. So she got a stick. Okay, I'll tell you what. It's pretty intuitive. Sure. But the other thing you have to remember is reloading a gun is really fucking hard at this point. Listen, start... All you need... Start with one bullet. Okay. It's a lot of steps is all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So she's riding these narrow back wooded roads, dirt roads that are now muddy with rain with a stick as the only protection. And then at the time, there's an additional element of danger because in addition to the British loyalists in the area, there were also these people that they called, quote, skinners, which was describing generally like this, an outlaw mm-hmm. or any type of like ruffian who really didn't have any allegiances to either side, but was basically just an opportunist and was going to try to like do what they could in the chaos sure, to make out with something for themselves. Mm-hmm. So a bandit, if you will. Yes. So as she is riding, there's at least one account that she gets accosted by one of these skinners who she has to beat off with a stick in the middle of the night, but does so, knocks him out, escapes. What? Makes it, makes it to the next house and the next house and the next house, successfully warns or, or like wakes up and tells every soldier who's at home, you know, in the middle of planting their crops that there is an attack and they need to come back to the colonel's home to regroup. In this process, so Paul Revere, he had a 20-mile path, essentially, mm-hmm. and he made it like 10 or 12 miles before he was captured. <laughs> yeah. Her path that she rides that night is 40 miles. Oh, that poor horse. So in the dark, in the rain, in the back roads, she rides 40 miles through essentially southern Dutchess County, which is now, I think, Putnam County for the most part. Okay. She makes it back in the morning and they go to this battle. The soldiers aren't quick enough to save the initial town, but they catch up to the British and they end up capturing a lot of the supplies that were stolen, plus more. Whoa. This is this is so decisive a victory once they finally catch up with the British that Sybil's writing earns her the congratulations of George Washington himself. He he reaches out, sends a letter, and is like, thank you for your service. That was fantastic. We We literally could not have done this without you. Now get back in the kitchen and have babies. Yes. After that, like, she doesn't get any more recognition. Yeah. How would she? No. Yeah. And, and in fact, the insult to injury. Oh. At the end of her life, when she is applying for a pension, when her husband dies, who, she ultimately marries a soldier in the war as well. He dies. He's entitled to a pension. She's supposed to receive it. They're like, sorry, we don't have any records of your marriage. What? And so despite the fact that, like, her husband was a soldier and she pulled off this thing that got her commendation from George Washington himself for the last year of her life as a widow, she does not receive the military spouse pension that she's entitled to and dies without the money. The unsung hero here, it is the person who rode four times as far as Paul Revere did (laughs) by herself over bad roads in an area that was teeming with outlaws who, who then attacked her. Right in pouring rain that she had to literally beat off with a stick and succeeded where Paul Revere failed. Sybil Ludington is our unsung hero. After having stayed up all night the night before bamboozling her neighbor. <laughs> yes, pulling some real hijinks. <laughs> with the real hijinks there. Yes. Luckily, I will say, even though I still say she is unsung in comparison to Paul Revere's fame, mm-hmm. um, there is, in 1961, a commemorative statue that is erected near uh, Carmel, New York, 
which is where her home was. Um, in 1975, they make a postage stamp of her in this series called Contributors to the Cause for the United States Bicentennial. And then in uh, 2010, a movie is made about her uh, called Sybil Luddington, the female Paul Revere. I've um, never heard her name before in my entire life. Yeah, apparently the movie's not very good either. It's just a real shame because she deserves a badass movie. Very hard name to rhyme with. <laughs> yes. What is he, Luddington. Come on. Right. Come on. Angelina Jolie, if you're listening to our podcast... This this feels like ripe for movie rights. Yes. It, we had a Harriet Tubman movie coming out, and then Sybil Luddington. Well, it did come out already. The Harriet Tubman one. Did. Yes. Yes. And then Sybil Luddington. This is the one we need now. Yeah. Young teenager who saved a village. We love it. I love that for her. What were you doing at 16? Not that. <laughs> Not that. Not that. <laughs> If this episode about a 16-year-old just being way more badass than you in every respect before they turn 17 has made you a little disappointed, and if instead you would like to hear some stories about people who are relatively famous and are real shitbags, I mean, like, make you feel way better about yourself instead, if that's what the people would like, Audrey, where can they find us? They can find us on social media at Your Heroes Pod or on our website at MeetYourHeroesPodcast.com. Yep, and please like, share, rate, review, spread the word, tell your friends. And until next week, don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye.